All right. Well, uh, this, Monday, this uh, Sunday, we're starting a brand new series called All is Calm. And uh, that, that title comes from a very famous Christmas carol, many of us have heard it, called Silent Night, where the main uh, refrain is, a silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright. And what's interesting is how ironic those words are. Because the original Christmas was anything but calm, right? Uh, the world that Jesus uh, was born into was a world of plagues and poverty and oppressive governments and uh, violent dictators, extreme poverty. It really was a world that was filled with anxiety and fear. And what's interesting is that you look throughout the Christmas story, to, to each character, whether it was Mary or Joseph or the shepherds or Zechariah, they're all given the same command. They're all told, do not be afraid. And to each one of these people is, is given the message of Advent. It's the message of Advent that provides everything needed for them to be calm. And so we're going to learn here um, from the story. And I think here's where the, the story connects to us. So because, you know, really, we're... we're about to experience a Christmas that's pretty chaotic, aren't we? I mean, we're in 2020, and can we all agree uh, this is a pretty um, chaotic year? Yes. Uh, last uh, week, I was reading uh, an interesting uh, study done by Barna, and it said that Americans are experiencing alarming rates of anxiety and depression during 2020. Uh, it said overall, 42% of adults say that anxiety has a negative impact on their most important relationships, and 39% say the same thing regarding depression. And so uh, anxiety is reigning in 2020. The, the article went on to say this. It said, COVID and masks, race and justice, money and markets, educating our children from home, wildfires and hurricanes, politics, the reliability of the U.S. Postal Service, and more. 2020 has amped up the volume on all the things we humans worry about and added new ones too. Maybe you relate to that. Uh, the, the article said that young adults have been hit especially hard when it comes to mental health. So uh, for millennials and Gen Xers, uh, the future has never looked dimmer. Uh, job prospects and financial opportunities uh, don't look great for young people in 2020. And for all of us, uh, you know, we all kind of look into the future and we don't know what to expect. You know, every day brings something new and so we look into an uncertain future and because of that, uh, many of us are filled with anxiety. And so today we're going to look at the story of Mary. We're going to kick off and see how the message of, of Advent helped her um, with her uh, fear what I love about Mary is that she's an example for, in so many ways, uh, so many virtues. Uh, she is uh, really a remarkable woman uh, in so many ways. But the one thing that I notice in this passage is how she's such an example when it comes to being calm and confident in the face of an unknown future. One of my favorite authors is a guy named Edwin Freeman. He wrote a leadership book called A Failure of Nerve, and I quote it all the time. But one of the things he says is that a great leader is marked by something called a non-anxious presence. When they look into the future, a leader is somebody who is able to be calm and confident in the face of chaos. And he says it's almost like when the building is burning down, when the building's on fire, everybody looks to the one who is calm. 
And if that's what a leader is, then Mary is certainly an incredible leader for us to follow. So we're gonna see how she was calm and confident in the face of this unknown future. Uh, It didn't happen automatically, and so we're just gonna walk through her story and see how it happened for her so that we can kind of walk into it ourselves. So let's just jump into the story. Verse 26 begins like this. Now in the sixth month, uh, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to the city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. So who was Mary? Let's do a quick little biopic here. So Mary, uh, she lived in a a town called Nazareth. And the the thing that you need to know about Nazareth is that this was a tiny dot on the map. It is a small, insignificant corner of the Roman Empire, and by anyone's estimation, it was a non-place. In the Old Testament, we never hear of the city of Nazareth, uh, in all of the uh, non-biblical uh, literature in the ancient world, we never read about Nazareth. It was just a, a kind of nowheresville. And it was kind of a, a little satellite town of a bigger city uh, called Galilee. And in that day and age, Galilee was kind of viewed as a podunk town. And uh, so like, view, think of Galilee like Cave City. It was about 1,000, 2,000 people. Uh, a lot of people looked down upon Galilee like it was kind of just out in the sticks. But if you lived in Galilee, you looked down on people from Nazareth. And if, 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 if uh, Galilee was like Cave City, Nazareth was kind of like Cushman. 400 people, just teeny, tiny, insignificant place. In fact, in the Gospel of John, you remember one of the disciples in Nazareth, uh, I mean, uh, Nathaniel, when uh, he learns that Jesus came from Nazareth, he says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Like, really, that place? Nobody, nothing good happens in Nazareth. Like, you just stop there to get gas when you're on the way to somewhere more important. Right, this is the town that we're talking about. And then we got to see Mary. And uh, when you think about Mary, uh, don't think of what what is normally envisioned in the medieval paintings. So I got a a medieval, medieval, medieval painting of Mary uh, the Virgin Mary, and usually this is the way we envision her, right? She's, uh, she's dressed in royal attire, blue and red, uh, and, you know, who does her makeup? She looks amazing, right? And, and there she is. She's, she's, obviously, she reads Hebrew, and she's familiar with the ancient text. She's got a halo around her head, so, of course, she's a godly woman. What you need to think about is that, that Nazareth was filled with peasants. One historian said that Peasant families who lived in Nazareth eked out a living, paid their taxes, and tried to live in peace. Mary was one of these peasants. What this meant was that she was, um, she was poor. She was living in poverty. She worked in the fields uh, daily. Her hands were calloused. Her skin was brown from the sun. Uh, being a, a peasant, Mary would have been illiterate, so she wouldn't have been reading the Bible. She was uneducated. Uh, this woman looks like, well, she, she looks like she's about 30 years old. Mary was about 13, anywhere from 13 to 16 years old. So she's a preteen, teenager. This is the woman that is given this message that we're going to read about in a minute. 
The angel shows up for her, but this shouldn't surprise us. God is always doing things like this. I love what Martin Luther said. He's he's talking about Gabriel, and he says, uh, Gabriel might have gone to Jerusalem and picked out Caiaphas' daughter, who was fair and rich and clad in gold-embroidered raiment and attended by a retinue of maids in waiting. But God preferred a lowly maid from a mean town. That's what Mary is. She's given this incredible message, so let's look what happens. It says in verse 28, the angel Gabriel showed up and he came to her and he said, greetings, earthling. No, 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 he said, said, greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. So here she gets an amazing message. So uh, this woman in Nowheresville gets gets a, a visit from the angel Gabriel. And this is no normal angel. Uh, Gabriel was like a celebrity angel. He's called an archangel in the Old Testament. He's like the chief of all the other angels. Uh, He shows up multiple times. Uh, The most famous is to Daniel in the Old Testament where he gives him a message about the Messiah. Uh, Gabriel, along with Michael, the archangel, are called the guardians, the guardian angels of Israel. So he's a big deal. And he shows up to Mary with this message. He says, greetings, which literally means rejoice, celebrate. This is good news. Greetings, Mary. This is amazing what's going to happen. Then he goes on and he says, greetings, O favored one, or, or O you who've been given an enormous amount of grace. And then he finishes it off with, God is with you. Now, the expression, this expression uh, that the angel gives to uh, Mary, it shows God's gracious choice of someone through whom God is going to do something incredibly special. Uh, throughout the Old Testament, this phrase runs like a golden strand all the way through. Uh, and, and the angel is inviting Mary into a very select group of people. Uh, Throughout the Old Testament, people like Abraham were given a message like this. When God called him out of Ur of the Chaldees to follow him to the promised land. It was given to uh, Moses when God called him out of being a shepherd to go rescue his people from Egypt. This was a message given to Hannah when God was going to open her womb and supernaturally give her a child. Same message was given to Gideon when he was sitting under the tabernacle tree and God said, greetings, O man of valor. God is with you. You and a small army are gonna defeat the Philistines. God gave this message to David when he called him to be the king of Israel. I mean, this is an incredible, uh, incredible message that God gives this, this peasant girl. And I was trying to think what it might be like. It's almost like, you know, if you were selected to, to be for the leading role on a play on Broadway, or if you had applied to an Ivy League school and uh, you get the letter back in the mail and it says, congratulations, you've been selected. Mary's been selected here to do something incredible. It was fabulous, stunning news, but how does Mary respond to it? It says in verse 29, but she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. So she gets this incredible news, and how does she respond? Does it say that, that Mary was greatly flattered? Oh, me? Little old me? Wow. I am so flattered. How amazing. Does it say that? No. Does it say that she was greatly 
excited and amazed. Wow, I can't believe this. What amazing news. Was she greatly astounded? No, it says that she was greatly troubled. And the word trouble is, is, is a really interesting word. It means that she was, cons- she was filled with concerned anxiety or she was worried. One commentator even says that she was suspicious. So she gets this great news and how does she respond? She's terrified. She's afraid. We know she's afraid because the very next word the angel says to her is, don't be afraid. Now why would this put fear into Mary's heart. Why would this message make her afraid? Well, um, it could be because she is talking to an angel. Uh, You know, I've never seen an angel. Have you? Uh, I've never looked upon an angel. I've never been touched by an angel. Uh, But but when you read the Bible, anybody who encounters... I know, that was bad, wasn't it, John? When you read the Bible, anybody who encounters an angel is always terrified. And I think there's a line that every angel kind of memorizes. It's part of their job. It's the line, do not be afraid, because everybody's afraid when they encounter an angel. So it could just be that she's looking at the archangel Gabriel. Uh, it also could be just the sheer impossibility of the news she just got. Like, you, you, there's got to be some mistake. No, 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 no. There, this, you must have made a wrong turn somewhere. You shouldn't be here in Nazareth. Maybe you meant to go to Jerusalem or Judea or somewhere else. You shouldn't be talking to me. This is crazy. Maybe it was, was that sort of thing. What I think it was, I think ultimately Mary is terrified here and, and worried and anxious is because what the angel says to her is changing everything. Because of, what the, because of this news, Mary's life is going to change forever. And up to this point, Mary's life had been pretty predictable. It had been hard. I mean, it was filled with poverty and labor and struggle, but it was predictable. Today was hard, tomorrow would be hard, but at least I know what to expect. Her life would go on, maybe monotonously and maybe frustratingly, but it was going to go on pretty much the same way every day for the rest of her life. And the shocking news changes everything. And now she looks into an unknown future. Well, there's nothing but a big question mark. And she must have had tons of questions. Uh, What do you mean I'm going to be pregnant? Uh, I'm not not even married. How's that going to happen? How will my parents take this news? What's Joseph going to think? How is this child going to grow up in a small town with a cloud of suspicion around his birth? Mary was worried because she was looking into an unknown future. And I think we could probably all relate to that. You know, none of us are like Mary, but in in another sense, all of us are like Mary. And probably all of us have experienced a time in life where everything changed. Maybe tragedy struck, and you lost everything. And so you had to pick up it all and and move to somewhere else, and, and you didn't know what to expect. Or maybe an opportunity struck and you got a new job or you got a promotion or you got married or you just adopted a child and it's great and it's wonderful but you don't know what to expect. It's unpredictable and so you're filled with anxiety. Or maybe personal disaster has struck and you lost a loved one. 
or you lost a job, or you lost a limb. And more than the pain of all that is just kind of looking in the future and saying, what's, gonna look, what's life going to look like now? You know, we all face an, an unknown future because even our best laid plans can change at any time. Maybe you're living in 2020, and nobody knows what to expect anymore. And kind of the thing that makes us all so anxious is kind of that, is kind of the unknown. Like, what do I do now, and what's going to happen, and how's it all going to work out, and and what do I expect, and how's this all going to work? I remember uh, when I took the job here in Batesville, um, this was such, this was an opportunity for me. It got me out of a job that I hated, and it was so great, but it was terrifying. And I remember uh, when we were praying about whether we should take the job, Anita was giving birth to Jude, our, our third child, and she was laying in a hospital bed. On the side of the bed, it said Batesville. All the way in Orange County, we saw on the side of the bed, it said Batesville, and I was like, oh, wow, maybe God is calling us to Bates, this, this is good news. But then it looked, it, it, I looked even closer in the fine print, it said Batesville Casket Company, which is a company in Indiana, there's a Batesville, Indiana, where there's a casket company. And I thought, well, maybe if I move to Batesville, I'll end up in a casket. I remember being excited and terrified. And maybe you've, you've experienced that too. Maybe you're there right now this morning. The anxiety comes out. We're all creatures of habit. We like stability and security. We hate surprises. And when God changes the script on us, that can trouble us just like it did Mary. Well, Mary works her way out of it. She, she's troubled, but she, she ends up in a place of calm and confidence. How does she get there? Well, let's, let's keep on going here because she hears the message of Advent. And she gives it to her. The angel looks at her in verse 30 and says, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will, be, he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. In his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, well, how will these things be? The angel's not making it any, making it any better here. He's just pile on, piling on more kind of crazy information here. The royalty and the house of David and this child is going to be called the son of God. And she's like, oh my gosh, how will these things be? And then the angel goes on in verse 35. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And and this is the sixth month of her who has been called barren. And then the angel lays on her this wonderful little phrase that I think changed everything for Mary. And really it's the heart of the message of Advent. It'll help us experience calm too. The angel says, Mary, nothing will be impossible with God. Mary, all these things are going to happen. Yes, the future is unknown. He doesn't tell her exactly how it's all going to play out. But he says, here's what you need to know, Mary. Nothing will be impossible with God. And I think when she heard this phrase, it it caused her to relax a little bit. And it eased her anxiety because I think there were three things. Um, 
You knew there was gonna be three points in this sermon. Here they are real quick. There are three things in that phrase that I think helps us to be calm. Nothing will be impossible with God. I think first she heard this, this wonderful statement to mean something like this. There is no challenge, Mary, that God cannot overcome. Mary, as you look into the future, there's gonna be challenges some that you can probably anticipate and some that you could never even anticipate. Some that you could know, some things that you could never knew. There will be challenges and it's gonna be hard. But listen, Mary, no matter what you face, there is no challenge that God can overcome. Nothing will be impossible with God. And I think we need to hear this message this morning, no matter what you're facing, whether it's the challenge of a of a ruptured marriage or a challenge of a wayward child or a challenge of an illness, and you're thinking, how am I gonna do this? God looks at you today and says, hey, nothing is impossible with me. No matter what you face, I am able to conquer that. I love what A.W. Tozer said. He said, nothing is harder for God than anything else. He does everything with the same amount of ease. And so for us, you know, pulling a tissue out of a, out of a box is easier than opening a jar of pickles. Some things are harder than other things. But with God, nothing is impossible. We're talking about the creator of the universe here. If he could speak things into existence, then he can fix your marriage. Nothing is impossible for him. Can we look to him and trust with this? You know, uh, I, as a, as a parent, my, my kids kind of look at me and they almost think nothing is impossible for dad. And speaking of pickles, the other day, my, my little boy, uh, Luke, he was trying to open a pickle jar and he couldn't do it. And so he gives it to dad and he says, dad, could you open this jar? And of course, you know, I kind of flex my mouth. Of course, dad can do this. And so I went and I tried to open the pickle jar and, and I couldn't do it. And my manliness was on the line. You guys know what I'm talking about here. This is a not a good moment. And finally, Anita was like, Brent, let me see the jar. And she takes it and then she takes it off. But I loosened it. But I lost my reputation. Now nothing is impossible for mommy, not just daddy. But the angel wants Mary to know nothing is impossible for your God. It doesn't matter what challenge you're going to face. There is nothing too hard for him. Remember in the Old Testament, it was uh, Sarah whose womb was barren. And God comes to her and says, Sarah, you're going to have a child. And she laughs at him. And And the angel says, Sarah, there is nothing too hard for God. So as you look into the future... There are going to be lots of challenges, but you need to know there is nothing, there's no challenge that God can't overcome. Secondly, I think that what's in this phrase, uh, there is nothing too hard for God, is this idea that there is no uh, personal inadequacy that God cannot overcome. Part of Mary's story is that she feels kind of a lot of personal inadequacy here. Like, really me? I'm a peasant from Nazareth. I can't do this. What are you talking about? I can't be the mother of God. I can't, I'm not a mighty woman of valor. God is not with me. What are you talking about? And the angel is saying, Mary, it doesn't matter how weak you are or insignificant you are. There is no weakness that God cannot overcome. 
In the New Testament, Paul, the apostle, was faced with a disability. Uh, we don't know what it was, but he struggled with, this, with it, and he prayed that God would take it away. God, take away this weakness. I don't want to have to live with this. this I could, there's so many things I could do if I wasn't so weak. And God spoke to Paul and said, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you because my strength is made perfect in weakness. Your personal inadequacy is no problem for God. In fact, our weaknesses are God's opportunities to show himself strong. There's another thing I think in this phrase that I think calmed her nerves, and that is there is no isolation that God cannot overcome. If you look at this phrase, the angel says, there is nothing that will be impossible with God. And that's interesting because I almost think it should go like nothing is impossible for God. But that's not what he says. He says nothing is impossible with God. In other words, the angel is saying, Mary... You may not know the future, the challenges, the difficulties, the suffering. You have no idea. But here's what you know. Whatever happens, I will be with you every step of the way. I'll be with you during the first trimester and the second trimester and the third trimester. I will be with you in labor there in that dirty manger. I will be with you as you're raising the child through adolescence, dealing with your own fears and, and anxieties about raising the Messiah. I will be with you as you see your son rejected. Mary, I will be with you every step of the way. And really, this is the heart of the message of Advent, isn't it? Because later on, Mary gives the, name, the child a name. And what is the name? It's Emmanuel, which means God with us. This is what Advent is about. Remember the old Bette Mittler song where she says, God is watching us, God is watching us, God is watching us from a distance. And what Advent tells you is that that's not true. Christmas is about God coming into our world, about him being present in our pain. God comes into the chaos. God comes into the, the difficulties of this world, and he, and he takes on human flesh. He lives the life that we should have lived. He dies the death that we should have died so that, we might, so that he might invite us into a life of relationship with him. For by his Holy Spirit, he is with us every step of the way. He says, Mary, I'm not going to tell you everything that lies ahead, but I, I will tell you this, that nothing is impossible for God, and this God is with you. And the old, you know, in the Old Testament, the most, fa the most common command is do not be afraid. Over and over again, do not be afraid. And the most common reason for why we shouldn't be afraid is God's presence. Fear not for I am with you. It's the message of Advent. And it's the message that will calm our fears as we look into the future. There's no challenge that God cannot overcome. There's no personal inadequacy that God cannot use and work through. 
There's no situation where God will not be present. Now let's look what it does to Mary. Because she, she moves into this place of surrender and calm and confidence. In verse 38, it says, And Mary said, Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from here. Now, th- th- these are the words of a woman who has come to grips with, with this unknown future. And she surrendered to God's plan. And she's at, she's at peace in the midst of the chaos. The message of, abs- of Advent has calmed her fears. And I think she calls us and she invites us into that same place. And again, I don't know where you are this, this morning. Whether you're facing a challenging marriage or whether you're looking into a new job or you're looking into a scary financial future or, or what kind of situation you're looking into. But there will be nothing that is impossible for God. No challenge that he cannot overcome. No inadequacy that he cannot overcome. And there's not one point in your life where he will not be there. So when you find yourself in times of trouble, Mother Mary comes to you, speaking words of wisdom. Let it be, she says. Come on, Beatle reference. Anybody get it, right? Let it be. Surrender to God's plan. I love what Corrie Ten Boom said. She said, never, you, she said, never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. The God to is, who is known to us in Jesus, who promises to be with us, especially in the message of Advent. So let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for this story of Mary, who's such an example uh, to us of a non-anxious presence and God, I pray that you'd help us, Lord, in this, in this world of, of anxiety where uh, none of us knows the future. Um, all of our plans could be uh, changed in an instant. Um, uh, the, the script of our life can be written, uh, rewritten by you at any moment. God, I pray that, that you would help us, Lord, to remain in calm, confident trust. Lord, you've given us Jesus, and we know that you love us because because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. And so, Lord, as we we walk with you, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to trust you, and I pray that this Advent, you would fill us as your people. Fill us as your people with calm and confidence, surrender and trust. Uh, We pray that you would do this in Jesus' name.